Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. So have you heard of this concept of an anti-role model before? Mm, Maybe in cartoons. Yeah, right. (laughs) It seems to be like a very common trope in TV shows and things like that. But I I always like have thought of that term and I don't know where I first heard of it, but of looking at certain people or events or things as a perfect like anti-role model. And I always say that to like the kids at work and everything where everyone's like, oh, who do you look up to? I remember that conversation came up once and I was like, well, I can tell you who I don't because they're my perfect anti-role models. I I look at their lives and I go, I'm going to go the opposite direction, (laughs) which I always thought was pretty funny. But I was looking it up recently because of this this episode and apparently the anti-role model is like a legit thing that people say that you should have one. And the definition of an anti-role model is someone that works in your field or is in a similar lifestyle as you Uh, but is not as successful as you. So you look at what they're doing and you don't do that. That was kind of interesting. Mm. Like the actual definition of it is broken down that way. But yeah, no, I I treat it as a a good moral compass (laughs) of what not to do. Where it's like, okay, I I see your life. I see where you've gone. I don't like that. What decisions have they made? I'm going to go the other way, please. Quick U-turn at this intersection coming up. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in this week. We are going to be giving you some crazy moral dilemmas once again, like we always do. And uh, this one might be a little heavy. Uh, We're going to be talking about some incidents that happen, some cases that go on in the world uh, that are very touchy and quite horrible, to be honest. So this is just a little warning before we really dive into the episode that there might be some triggering words or situations that come up. So don't worry, we're going to be as gentle as we possibly can with this stuff. Uh, and just you know, bear with us and enjoy. And we're not going to really be making fun of these things because it is very, very serious. Uh, but yeah, we're going to try and lighten it up as much as possible, as we always do. Let's just say that. So today's topic is kind of an interesting one, and you are actually the one that brought this to my attention. So do you want to explain exactly what we're going to be talking about today? Because I think it's something that people don't think about, but needs to be on everyone's radar. Yeah. So I was kind of just, you know, bumbling around the internet. Uh, I think it was on Twitter and I saw a post uh, just random, right? It wasn't, it, it was someone commenting about something. It wasn't the actual like original post. But someone was posting uh, fan art for this uh, one of the school shooters uh, years ago that, mm. that happened in the U.S. And I was like, fan art, like, 
it, like that that word shouldn't go with that, right? like, yeah i'm like it's the same kind of fan art you would see like on tumblr you know for like i don't know goku or you know bella from twilight or something but it was like for the shooter and i was like hmm, that's kind of interesting like i was just like oh hmm, weird and then I found like more and more people comment and like most people were like, wow, this exists. And then other people were like, yeah, if you go to this community or like these hashtags, like there's a lot of people out there that like maybe not worship them, but like hold them on a pedestal almost. And I was like, this is interesting because I feel like no one's really made or brought this topic up before that people can relate to these people. Um, Most of the time it's something that doesn't even get mentioned, like trying to find stuff for this episode. I was like, wow, there's really, I mean, there's the psychology of a kid that, you know, might end up being a a shooter or serial killer or murderer, you know, but there was nothing about like how, I'll say most of it's like children, teenagers that are relating to a lot of these uh, school killers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to say shocked because I'm not really shocked by anything anymore, but it's surprising to me that this isn't something kind of being looked more into. I mean, it's I don't know if there can be really anything done yeah. by it, but it's, it's interesting you know it's it's painting uh someone that's relatable to you but in a a very different way and i mean obviously i'll get more into like my thoughts on why but yeah basically i i wanted to look into this episode of you know why do mostly teenagers relate to these school shooters i'm using school shooters as a stronger example because it's more relevant it's more out there there are people out there that you know fangirl or boy over Dahmer or Bundy or you know just killers in general like I get that part where people are like fascinated by it some people take it a little step beyond that and um that's why I wanted to talk about this because I mean I'm surprised no one's really brought this up yeah, when you first brought this up, it was one of those topics where I was like, oh, that exists. Like it, You don't really think about that side of it. Like I've heard of a lot of the killers and things that they get married while they're in prison. There's people mm-hmm. who actually fall, quote unquote, fall in love with them. But a lot of times I think it's just to get their name in the paper to be associated with someone famous, right? Like. Because it's not like they can have cordial visits or anything like that. There is no physical uh, relationship there whatsoever. But it this one hits a little harder because it is children. It is teens that are relating or to killers. And now we have to start thinking, why is that the case? Now, obviously, depression has to play a big part in these things. But I think it's important to look at the mental state or the situations in which the killers themselves were in and then kind of reverse engineer and go backwards from there as to why there is a quote unquote fan base for these people. Right. And it's it's a tough one. This was a really this was a really tough one to wrap my brain around, honestly, 
because I don't feel like I'm there. Like, <laughs> right? Like it was, it's hard to uh, find information on it whenever you can't really relate to that because I, like, sure, there was moments in my life in which depression played a really heavy part in everything. And maybe in the right situations, if the one one instance happened a different way, I could have ended up there, right? And But at the same time, I felt like I always had an outlet in order to get my frustrations out there. Uh, or I had someone that I felt like comfortable with an, or comfortable with enough to talk to, uh, someone older, right? Where I feel like maybe a lot of these kids don't have that. So they just see someone who whenever they're whenever the news is giving a character bio of them right like telling that basically their stats their depression stats on tv it's like well i'm that way i i think that too right so i think that's where the idolization is coming from mainly is media because whenever school shootings or any sort of like mass shootings happen it is all over media it is everything that we're talking about we're putting out information on every single aspect of what happened, the victims to the time of day, exact, like all the nitty gritty details, even the names of these people, it's so that people can now look them up, find them on social media, see what they're into, and really get a better understanding of them from their own mental, from their own perspective, right? Maybe not like a real legit understanding of them, but I can't help but like, I don't want to be one of those guys that just says like, oh, blame media, but it's kind of hard not to, right, with with something like this. And I, I would say this is a pretty big deal that needs to be looked at further. And we need to really think about the way that we are portraying these individuals. Uh, but it's hard to really stop that now, especially with all of these shows that are idolizing killers on Netflix and everything or a lot of podcasts that are extremely famous because they are true crime podcasts. We're giving a voice to these people and looking at them in a in a more humanistic way instead of just looking at the horrible events that they did. And I think that's where we are kind of failing the youth a little bit as far as like we're we're normalizing it. We're making that like it almost feel like this is an okay reaction to your stressful situation right like does does that make sense like i feel like i might be kind of going around in circles there a little bit but it's it's a little it's troubling to say the least yeah i you know i i mean i was just looking up right before this episode too um like there's communities of this that you know people feel connected with and I I mean, I was in a dark place at one point, too, especially during my teenagehood. And, you know, I and I don't think I ever had it in my mind that I would really want to cause harm like that to people. But I, I, I could understand or I could see why or how someone would just, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word to be a little more sensitive with it, but it's, you know, to express their anger, you know, with how violent uh, we as like a society have become, mm-hmm. it's almost not surprising that this is an outcome 
especially when there's no help. You know, you, people out there can say, oh, there's help for teenagers. There's all this. And there is. But you have to think. I mean, one, does it cost money? Well, they probably can't afford it. Two, a lot of times people don't think they have a problem. Or three, they're just comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, in my depression, I was comfortable with it. You know, I was fine with it. I thought that was just me. I thought it was a character trait. You know, like, I met other people like me. So I was like, oh, I'm not weird. This is normal. I don't need to talk to anybody. And, you know, when looking back at some of these, you know, murderers, it's, there's a lot of traits that they have that either they were bullied for or their interests or so many things that, you know, people can kind of latch on to, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you said with media, like before they always blamed, what was it? Um, like Grand Theft Auto or Doom mm-hmm. and huge, I can Marilyn or Manson and it's rock like, music, all that crap. I'm like, really? Like you're going to music. I never understood. You know, I mean, music can be violent, but I mean, music's been violent for decades before any of these incidents. And it's, you know, I I don't want to say it's like, oh, look at the times that, you know, like say Columbine happened. That's, you know, in that era, everyone was angry at the world and stuff happened. But I mean, these kind of incidents happen almost every year, right? Not big ones every year but it's more more than just one and the problem is like say if someone is going through an issue you know there's too many kids right there's too many teenagers that you know say a school has a therapist or maybe two they can't see all the students. Most schools have, at least in California, I feel like most schools have over a thousand students and that's just high school, maybe 2000. You can't tell me that two therapists are going to see every student. I don't remember my school really. I think my school had a counselor, but it was like, I'm not going to tell my counselor I'm really depressed. I, I want to hurt myself or others, you know, like it's, it's that kind of confidentiality too, that I feel like those counselors don't, they wouldn't keep. Whereas like a normal therapist would. And I think that also freaks a lot of people out because, you know, well, that's the thing with that. If they, that's a big difference between therapists and counselors as well, especially in a school setting. Where mm-hmm. if something does get said or something like potentially harmful is out there and they could just be expressing their their opinion about something, right? Like it doesn't mean that they're actually going to act out on these things. Mm-hmm. The counselor is actually obligated to tell somebody about what's going on and they, they kind of have to, which is a little, I mean, yeah, it, it breaks that whole trust idea, right? That is, is kind of difficult to deal with, honestly. So I I totally get that that fear behind it. And I don't even think my school had a counselor (laughs) because I remember having to talk to the we had a bunch of different assistant principals because there were so many kids in our school. I think there's like 3000 kids or something like that. So we each got broken up based on our last names and your assistant principal was technically your counselor. 
So if anything was going on or you needed to talk to somebody, you got sent to them or that specific person, right? So a lot of schools don't have the resources necessary to actually deal with some of these cases or how to deal with them properly in a sensitive manner. And then on top of that, not having a proper outlet for individuals or just teaching them how to express themselves properly is even more difficult to do so. So it's, yeah, it's hard because we don't have the infrastructure in place in order to properly handle these things, right? To, to properly teach people how to ha- or deal with these delicate situations. So it is, it is very unfortunate. And, you know, being a teen is a very tough time. I mean, everybody's been there. It, I would imagine that almost everybody has gone through some form of depression as a teenager because you just don't know what to do. You don't know who you are as a person. And that's okay, right? Like that's one of the things that we really need to stress is it's okay that you don't know. You're still trying to figure it out. But I really do think that that comes back to our society because if you look at other countries, they, I feel like teens know more about themselves in those countries. They know more about how to grow up properly and it could be due to the lack of a rite of passage. I I really Mm -hmm. do feel strongly about the idea of rites of passages and we don't have that here. So every teen becomes lost at some point. Every teen becomes confused about what to do. And it might not just be teens. It could come later on in life as well, right? Like you could be in your 20s and then realize I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know if I'm on the right path. I don't know how I fit in the society. And that's okay, right? Because, and it is our fault for not having a system in place to help with that, to kind of let them know like, hey, you know, you are an adult now, right? Like it's fine. Whereas you can have somebody who's 40 years old still living with their parents and being treated like a child in in America. And like, that's the that's normal. It's not looked at as like incredibly weird anymore, which I, I think is kind of unfortunate to be honest. Yeah. And it's like, you know, something that I found interesting about this whole topic is that when you look at people that have been bullied, people that have, you know, depression, anxiety, any kind of mental illness, or just they feel like outcasts, it's easy to relate to some of these, um, you know, shooters and stuff because usually in the letters they left or, you know, now with more modern ones, the the stuff they post before, it's, people can relate to that because even, like, people that aren't, let's just say dangerous, don't really talk about that kind of stuff or it's not out there everywhere, right? Like, there's definitely people on, like, TikTok, Tumblr, any social media site that will, you know, talk about their depression or them being bullied, but not everyone sees that. Whereas, you know, like take Columbine, for example, like being bullied and all of that stuff. It, a lot of people could relate to that because, you know, 
usually when you're bullied, you think you're the only one. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't see anyone fight back, especially if like you're too afraid to fight back. But then you see people do this, and you know, to the extreme, you're like, wow, like they stood up for themselves. It's it's a interesting, weird form of idolization. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking stuff up, it seems like, you know, a lot of other countries don't allow this to happen. They don't post the names of the killers. They don't they they try to not scrub it from it happening, but they try to prevent people from idolizing or relating to these people to try and prevent these actions. And when you think about it, I mean, I'm only saying this because I live in America, but you don't really hear about anything crazy in other countries, right? Mm-hmm. Compared to how you hear it here. Here, it's like we instantly find out who did it, and now we know everything about him. And now that we know everything about him, people are going to be like, oh, that I can relate to that. And then it's just... It goes on from there, and it's it's scary, but at the same time, I've been in a place where I didn't, I feel like I didn't have anyone I could relate to with some things, and it's mm-hmm. like, you just want to latch on to something, and I can understand why people would latch on to this, you know, especially when you're young, you don't know, you could see them as a hero even though it's you know not not something good right but it's it's interesting seeing like communities out there that all look up to some of these people like in my research it really seemed like mostly like the columbine was really one that people really relate to the most i feel like and then there's a few more modern ones too uh but it it's it's sickeningly fascinating uh how far people really take it you know it's with i don't want to say with the nuances of like current day how different they are from 20 years ago because i mean I feel like nothing really has changed, right? Like mm. people are still getting bullied. People are still depressed. You know, there might be new terms we relate with that weren't really a term back then. But at the end of the day, it's always, I feel like a lot of these are always like the same kind of issues that affect a lot of these individuals who are broken, you know, like it, it's a pattern and you would think that it'd be something that they would try to help with a little bit better. Like, I don't know. It's just weird to me that after all this time, like people are still in school going through the same crap that we went through and the people before us. And it's just like, oh, it's just sad. Like, I don't know. I wish everyone could just get the help they need, 
you know, like no one should be like beat up just because they're different or, you know, made fun of and stuff. And the way social media is now, it just makes it even harder for people, you know, like cyberbullying is a thing. I mean, I feel like because I'm obviously an adult, I don't really see that that much, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you go anywhere where it's like people that are younger and big groups like that does happen or it happens like behind like DMS and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. It always kind of made me mad that people were like that. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like uh, hurt people want to hurt other people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just a very common thing. But I would say probably one of the biggest things that have changed over, you know, let's say even the last 20 years like, yeah, people are still getting bullied and they're still getting bullied for the same exact things that they were in the past. Like I used to get beat up all the time for being short and a little chubby whenever I was a kid. Right. And that's still a commonplace thing because kids are vicious. <laughs> Not going to lie. But I think probably the biggest change has happened is the frequency and the speed in which the bullyings are happening. And that's due to the fact that we are so connected and it's not just at school anymore because when I was a kid, like it, whenever I was dealing with a bully, when I was home, I was safe. That was okay. Like I was okay in there. But now with everything being so connected to social media and everything like that, there is no real safe spot for them because like, they could be at home being berated online. They can be at school and being berated in person. And it just never really, there's never really like an off moment for that, right? And I I think that's probably one of the biggest differences that I've seen. And I I keep coming back to media on this, but there is a really interesting phenomenon called the copycat phenomenon that has been uh, making these attacks and certain horrible instances increase over the years pretty drastically as well where there are a lot of studies that show, and this was on um, an NBC News article, um, that each attack, once it is posted online, once it's in the news, actually increases the chance of another similar attack or incident by up to 30% within the next 13 days, which is pretty substantial, right? And Mm -hmm. this doesn't just happen with shootings and things like that. This also happens for suicide as well. So let's say the news post up about someone, a teen going through depression, getting bullied, and they commit suicide. Well, there's a 30% chance that someone else is going to do, There's that wouldn't have done it, will do that now within the next 13 days. And then that case is going to then spark other cases. And it's just going to continue on like a little butterfly effect there. And if you think about that, if you go back to, let's say, Columbine is the the one, right? Even though it's not the the first, it is one of the most talked about ones in media itself. And a lot of people like to hark back to that, that incident. Uh, that sparked a tidal wave of attacks. And it's gotten so bad that they, the police and everyone don't even know how to classify school shootings anymore as mass shootings. Uh, because they don't know if it needs to be more than four people and the amount of attacks that actually happen are not really well uh, documented 
because we just can't keep up with them anymore. There's a lot more that happened than you really know about, but because they don't really know how to fully classify it, apparently, which I think is kind of crazy, I think more than one needs to be classified as a school shooting or a mass shooting, right? Like it, one or more, right? <laughs> like, it, 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 I don't know. But there, there's a lot of um, back and forth between that. So it, it is kind of an interesting situation there. So yeah, copycat things are on the rise because think about it, right? Like, like you said, if you find someone in a chat room or you go through someone's like social media pages after an incident happens, who knows, maybe they look like you. Maybe they think exactly the way you think, right? Maybe they have all the same ideas and same issues that they're going through and they found a way out and they've just showed you a door, right? A potential door for you to now go through and find your out. But is it the right door to go through? No, it never is. Violence is never the answer, whether it's against someone or yourself. And I think that's where this idea of an anti-role model is so brilliant and so important. And I think one of the big issues too is the anti-bullying campaigns that are out there. They're a joke, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Like it just kind of makes it a joke. Like remember things like Dare back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, guess what? You just taught us about drugs and now we're curious because we're idiot kids, right? <laughs> like that's mm -hmm. all Dare did. And I think that anti-bullying campaigns just make it funnier for a bully to then bully someone and then use the lingo that they learned at anti-bullying campaigns. So it, it's a horrible realization because there's a good nature behind those campaigns, behind those, those, um, those programs themselves. But people are taking them the wrong way. They're, they're, they're kind of bringing light to those weird things. And it's, it is an issue. It is something that we need to figure out and figure out a better way to start that conversation with teenagers without it becoming a joke. And how do we do that? I have no idea. I'm still trying to learn how to talk to these kids because sometimes whenever you try and say something meaningful to them or you have a moment where you need to teach them something like they said something wrong or the way they reacted to a situation could have been handled better or differently, right? I won't say better, it could be handled differently because I'm not a godsender, right? Like, I don't know the right way to handle these things. But mm -hmm. it always, like, I can tell that it's really hard to relate to them on their level because their mind is thinking, well, you don't know what I'm going through, right? Like, mm -hmm. everyone thinks that this is a very unique case to them. Everyone thinks it's very personal because it's their trauma, which makes sense, right? Like, I can't fault anyone for feeling that way. I felt that way as well. But they need to know that other people have gone through that too. And other people have found different outlets. And I think another big issue here as well is a lot of the outlets for kids is sports. Like that seems to be a very common trope, especially where I work as well, where mm. sports is always an answer because it teaches team camaraderie, it teaches you how to socialize, all that stuff. Sounds great on paper, but not everyone is a sports kid. Not everyone can get into that. And whenever you throw your kid into that, whenever that's not their thing at all, it's just gonna create more depression. It's gonna create more stress because now they can't even fit in there. And it, like, it's, it wasn't even their choice. So I think finding other alternatives, I think is is, important to that.
where we need to expand the the extracurricular activities we need to expand the ways that kids can relieve their stress and show them different way, different outlets uh for them to do things safely to learn about these things like camaraderie and social skills and all that fun stuff which you know we're, we're getting there but i don't know it, it's kind of hard i i think a big thing that you kind of hit on too is that it's not just like the like with sports it's just having that group you know, and it's like, I feel like schools have gotten better over time with creating like interest groups in schools, at least since I was in school. Like, I remember when I was in high school, I think there was like only like less, like maybe a handful of groups and they weren't really interesting. Like, I think my senior year, someone had just started an anime club, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of times in person people can't relate to a lot of other people or other people are too afraid to show their interests or their hobbies because they're afraid of getting made fun of i know i was like that too you know i was bullied and made fun of for my interests but you know there and back then there really was no way i mean i was already on the internet a lot then at that point like freshman year and stuff so i like i had a community online but as an in person I didn't really know that many people, you know, it it was hard to find people that I could relate to or going through the same things I was. And I mean, that is kind of the dangerous thing about online is that it, it, well, good and bad is that you can easily find someone that's kind of going through what you are or has gone through. It's just more so like, how did they handle the situation? Mm -hmm. And, I think that's a big thing. You know, when you're young, you want that action. You want that immediate fix to the problem. You know, nowadays I can look at something and be like, okay, what's the more logical way of achieving it? But when I was younger, yeah, the quickest way to fix a problem, I'll do it, good or bad. And, you know, I think when you're young, that's just the way you think. You know, I mean, it, it's shitty, but that just kind of seems the way it is with it. But I know for me and a few other people I've talked to that I could kind of relate to that had like similar issues in school, you know, I think for us, that was a big thing is just finding a group that in person could relate to issues and i mean nowadays a lot of the things that i was made fun of and stuff for are popular so it's it's different now i mean i'm pretty sure people still get made fun of for liking games or anime or just other weird hobbies but you know at least it's now a little more uh, acceptable i guess it's just weird to think about, you know. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. It's a very touchy subject that we discussed today, and it's a very somber episode for us. We we realize that. But this is a very important topic that needs to be discussed, that needs to be brought up more and more, and we just need to figure out a better way of handling these things. I mean, there we are working on it, but I don't think we're working on it as fast as we should. 
we definitely need to dedicate a lot more resources to this and just figure out the best way to present that information out there. Like I'm not saying that we need to completely block out media uh, like some countries do, but maybe take a page from their book and not glorify them as much. Or maybe less details is better. I I, I don't know. But we do want to end it and let people know that like, if anybody out there is feeling depressed, if anybody out there feels like there is no one to talk to, uh, I mean, you can just dial 988 on your phone and that takes you to a suicide and crisis lifeline. It's a United States-based company that is open 24-7. So they're, they're ready to help you out if you ever need it. And if you just want a community to talk to of like-minded individuals that will be inviting, right? Or you have questions or you just want to find a place. I mean, hey, just to throw it out there, we have a Discord channel for the Keepers, which includes both of our shows, right? We have uh, for Glitch Cube and Murder of Grey. And there's a lot of fun stuff that you can do on there, a lot of good people you can talk to. And I think it would be just a, a good little community to reach out to if you ever want to talk or chat. Um, but yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Be safe, have fun out there, uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week with the next set of moral dilemmas that we find. Uh, until then, bye for now.